Welcome to Restaurant Inc., the business of food podcast. Each episode, our hosts discuss the important and exciting aspects of the food service industry and what you need to know to be successful in this business. From ways to build customer traffic, increase profits, re-engineer your menu, and so much more. What are the hot new items and trends in food service? We'll discuss these and more each episode. If you are in the food service business and you want to see more growth, more customers, and more profits, our expert hosts and their guests will take you there. And now here's your host, Adasha Townsend, Managing Editor of Restaurant Inc. Magazine. Chef Lynetta Stair has been a plant-based fanatic since she was 11. Her superfood school is a good training ground for those who want to learn how to intelligently navigate plant-based foods. Chef Lynette discusses how her plant-based cuisine is making its mark on the industry. So first, Chef Lynette, I wanted to find out how did you get into the whole uh, plant-based cooking? Because I know you've been a chef for a really long time. So how did you uh, actually get into plant-based cooking? Um, it's very interesting. So I started my first food business when I was 11 and, um, it was because I was kind of tired of the school lunch. It just looked just instinctually. I could see how it looked really like processed to me. So I started making my own food, which are little like tuna, tuna sandwiches, granola. And, um, that's kind of the first step. And then I knew that something was there because I'd used some of my money that I was using. I was selling Rice Krispie Treats, not the most healthiest thing, but I ended up buying a carton of rice tree and that was at like age of 11. So when that happened, that was kind of that first moment where it's just like, wow, okay, I'm curious about healthy foods. I'm interested in it. You know, it didn't convert me to like veganism, but it did just kind of start the path for me to be able to um, be where I am now. So did you start doing a lot of research? Did you start talking to people? How exactly did you go about it? Nothing at all, really. Just, just those few moments, those are kind of the seeds. Um, in following my curiosity to this type of other food. And mm-hmm. then it really started to take shape some years later when I was on my own um, in college, living in New York. And then I could, you know, really start to make my own decisions on what I was eating. I was making all my own decisions on what I was eating. And so I remember at the time, um, Madonna was doing this, like, in Gwyneth Paltrow, they were doing this, like, macrobiotic diet. And I remember okay. at that point, that's when I really started digging a little bit more. And right you know, slowly became like vegetarian and slowly just, you know, New York is the food epicenter, you know, of the world. And so when they Mm -hmm. said macrobiotic, I could actually go like two blocks and say, okay, here's a macrobiotic meal before class. So, you know, New York, you know, even though it's, you know, the gourmet and meat and this and that, it still is across the board culinary capital. So that really helped with just being in the community and, and learning, you know, being able to learn a lot. Okay. Yeah. How hard has it been to um, get the community at large, diners at large, to get turned on the plant-based eating? Oh. How difficult has that been? Quite difficult. Quite difficult. Um, I think we're going to – we've already reached a turning point um, about a year or two ago when uh, I believe it was The Economist magazine said it was the year of the vegan. Hmm. Um, with the IPOs of, um, beyond and impossible, you know, hitting the fast food market, um, last year, that was kind of like another step. And I think now with the coronavirus and just with, um, you know, people, A, wanting to be healthy, B, already kind of having that back knowledge of the fact that, yeah, okay, 
they're selling impossible in fast food restaurants. It can't be that bad. And then, you know, see, hey, everyone's at home and everyone has to cook. So I think, um, you know, there's another layer now that's that's opening up for people to be able to make better choices. Right, right. So I know that some vegan, I'm not going to name any names, but there are some (laughs) restaurateurs who are pushing the Impossible Burger or the Beyond Burger, and that's their whole platform to get people um, aboard the whole plant-based eating train. What do you think of that? What do you think of uh, Impossible Burgers and those type of things, those fast food types of foods to get people aboard plant-based eating? Yeah, it's um, it's tricky um, because on one end of the spectrum, it's like kind of by any means necessary, um, you know, by bringing people in. The issue is that we leave too much of the responsibility to the consumer that's used to marketing as opposed to actual information. And so if it tastes good and it's plant-based and it's, you know, no one, again, no one's reading the back of the labels. They weren't reading the back of the labels for the meat and dairy stuff. So what all of a sudden you're going to start reading the back of the labels now. And I think that a lot of companies are banking on that. And although, you know, both the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Burger are delicious and I do eat them sometimes. I do treat those, you know, just like any type of other junk food or if you only ate red meat once a month or something like that, you know, that would be something that I would suggest for people. So it's it's definitely not the healthiest thing. I think the biggest thing with people is that, you know, they we're looking obviously for easier answers and, um, you know, with both of these burgers, it's a great entryway, I guess, maybe to gain trust. But at the end of the Mm day, regardless of what your diet is, it's about processed foods. And when you start to really eliminate those from your diet is when you really start to see transformational change. Hmm. Okay. So I know that um, you're the founder of super, the superfood school, and you have very, a very particular way of how you go about things. You have these cooking kits. And I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about the success of that and how you even came up with the concept of doing these kits. Yeah. Um, well, it started actually when I was living in Mexico and um, I was helping to run a bed and breakfast, running their kitchen and the cafe and everything. And um, what I found is that, you know, a town of like maybe a hundred thousand people, of course, in Mexico, you know, you have your Mexican spices, and then they had a couple little Asian spices, but what I found every time that I would come back to the States to visit, I would literally bring a separate suitcase for spices. I would bring, like, five pounds of curry, five pounds. I started blending my own spices. Wow. And, okay. Yeah, because it, it was out of necessity. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of great business ideas, it comes out of necessity and kind of filling your own need, and so with that, what ended up happening is that, um, you know, I was doing that. And then in our little tienda, I was selling the extra because it's so humid down there it's by the beach. It's so humid down there that my spices, you know, over the a course of a few months, if I couldn't get rid of them, you know, I had to kind of move them out. So <laughs> little bits of that, I put that together. And then after um, moving back to the States, um, to really just start with a cooking school, like a plant-based cooking school to help people. I started to think about, obviously, the real business aspect of it and scaling. And so really, it was just kind of like a flash where it's just like, wow, okay, I need to bring that concept of the spices over to this because at the end of the day, that's really the most important aspect of cooking. You know, if you've got the flavor, 
then there's so many different ways that you can go. And, you know, you think about it historically, where it's just like apparently Christopher Columbus went all around for spices, you know, and gold. So if you're putting spices on the same level as gold, then you understand that, like, you know, going around the world, there's different flavors. And that's how you add variety, because when you're dealing with the healthiest food in the healthiest way, you're not really going to get a huge amount of variety. It's, it, it, it can be quite boring. So you have to get creative. And the best way to get creative, you know, is with spices. And then, you know, adding another layer of that with superfoods where now you bring in the function. You're listening to the Restaurant Inc. The Business of Food podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, are you running a restaurant, working in the food service industry, or just a lover of food? You need to check out rfsdelivers.com and see all the tools and insights available to you to help run a profitable food service operation. Want some new recipes to wow your customers? We have those too. Come see us at rfsdelivers.com and get the tools you need and the inspiration you crave. Running a restaurant comes with many challenges, and Reinhardt Food Service has the tools to help meet the needs of your food service operation. Check out rfsdelivers.com and find out how our team can help find more profits build customer traffic, and create buzz around town for your growing restaurant. Get it right from us. And now back to our conversation. So we talk about, we keep talking about superfoods, but what exactly are some of your, what exactly are superfoods? And talk about some of your favorite superfoods that you use in some of these kits and beyond. Okay, so superfood, the word, I mean... It's a marketing term. It's not an exact type of thing. Like, it's just, let's keep it real. It's, it's a marketing right. term. It's a great word, you know, and it really, beyond the marketing aspects of it, it's something, it's a food that, you know, has a big nutritional value in it. It's got a lot of vitamin C or it's got a lot of iron. But really, when you start to break it down, most of your fruits and vegetables have a super component to it. That's why they exist. You know, everything, all the plants are here to be able to, you know, fulfill those needs. And um, that's what makes them super, you know. And the next step is how we prepare it and what we mm. do with it after that is what is going to keep it super. So, of course, a zucchini is super. There's, you know, there's power in the peel of a zucchini. But once you peel it, then you you know, dip it in egg or something, and then you put it in flour, dredge it in flour, and then you fry it like it's not super anymore, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's a matter of being able to, you know, keep things super, and that's what Superfood School is about. So some of my favorite superfoods, um, spirulina is definitely at uh, the top of my list. Um, it's green, and it's full of protein, and when people think about protein, a lot of times they think about animals. And when you really think about the animals that a lot of people get protein from, they're just eating grass all day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So grass, sun, chlorophyll, the whole scientific process is basically giving you protein. So if you cut out kind of the middleman of the animal, then you're, kind of, you're going back to you know, that superfood aspect of it. And spirulina is a great example um, hmm. of that, you know, and there's so many different things you can do with spirulina because um, it doesn't have such a, you know, distinct taste per se to where, you know, you can really do sweet and savory applications to it. You know, you can really? put it in pudding, you can put smoothies, you could put it in, um, you could put it in your guacamole. Spirulina guac is so good. Oh my God, I forgot about that. I'm going to have to do that this weekend. I, I, I haven't done it in so long. So spirulina guac is really good. Um, you know, in your sauces, in your drinks, you know, in your pesto, which is really good. So 
Spirulina is really great. Um, right now, I'm really into camu camu. Camu is camu camu is one of the highest uh, sources of vitamin C, which is really great net right now since immunity is trending. <laughs> so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, big time. Another yeah, it's big, big time, big time, big time. Um, another one that's really good that people don't really kind of get into are mushrooms. So just mushrooms and not in the powder. Like when we think of superfoods, a lot of times we think of these like kind of far and away powders with these weird names when these bags mm-hmm. of this crazy price that you can't necessarily pronounce. But, you know, mushrooms are really great superfoods and the different kinds of them, you know, chaga mushrooms, lion's mane mushrooms that gives you, you know, a lot of energy and mental clarity. Um, those things are really great as well. So I'm big on mushrooms and spirulina and camel camel right now. Awesome. Awesome. So talk about how, um, I know you, part of your superfood uh, school business, part of the platform of it and the concept is uh, doing tastings and demos and hands-on workshops and some pop-up meals, right? Like pop-up dinners, you do Mm -hmm. that as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how have you pivoted since um, the COVID-19? How has your business changed? Um, Well, I'd have to say, um, you know, it's, it's funny. People ask you, people about, you know, entrepreneurialism. Is it like hard work and is it luck? You know, I think it's a combination of both. And I think that, you know, chance favors the well prepared. So I have to say that so far um, the pivot has been all right because I was already moving in a position to really phase out a lot of the person-to-person engagements that was kind of the first phase of superfood school because my background is from the arts and entertainment industry so i have a actually degree in fine art and so when i moved back to the state to be able to start superfood school like i kind of had to figure things out so all of the events were actually was actually low-key r d to figure out exactly how people would learn how people do learn hmm. you know we this is the first time in human yeah it's the first time in human history where you can't you know, look to your elders for superfood and, you know, healthy food advice. So literally me going to Whole Foods in the grocery stores, throwing everything on the table and literally just watching people, watching what they gravitate toward. Like, you know, if I've got 10 vinegars, you know, on the counter and then when everything's over, only the apple cider vinegar and the rice wine vinegar is used as opposed to the balsamic or the flavored wine, mm-hmm. you know, you're constantly just kind of like building this R&D. So for the first couple of years I did that and then that's when, everything kind of came together for the product. So, you know, I'm not, I, I can't really say that I'm, you know, really gutted right now because of the events um, and the person-to-person events and things because those were kind of on their way out. So, mm. you know, right now um, I've just been doubling down on, you know, the kits and creating more content and just, you know, working on the product with that because, I mean, you know, when you're dealing with something scalable, it turns into something else. Now it's just like, okay, it's about the product customer experience and and really, you know, being able to nail that down. So, you know, working on that. And then I've had a slight pivot where I've been doing some meal prep for uh, some people in LA, a couple of high profile people, um, you know, people that are usually used to craft services and catering, or they they have never really seen the inside of their kitchen. So they're like, okay, (laughs) help. So, you know, help helping out with that a little bit of essential worker, uh, so to speak. And, um, you know, keeping myself busy with that. And, you know, what they're getting actually are meals from uh, our kids' meal plan. So, 
you know, with me, with working, I try to like layer everything up so that you're not just kind of doing one thing for one thing. So, you know, when I'm cooking for them, it's also just kind of replaying these meals and saying like, okay, doing a run through of the meal plan again. Mm -hmm. And then it's also market research because they're eating it and they like it. And then, you know, if I could pop a couple shots of, of this food and if they take some shots of the food and send them over, you know, you're creating content. So it's always, you know, a constant thing that, you know, needs to be happening. So I, right now I can't complain. I can't play complain really. I'm, I'm all right. Just, just moving, just moving forward. Okay. As possible. And finally, um, where do you see superfoods and where do you see this whole plant-based trend and where do you see the culinary industry in general moving after this pandemic is over? It's going to be over one day. So what, what, what are your <laughs> predictions? Um, I think that plant-based is going to continue to be a force to be reckoned with. I, I mean, I think, uh, I, I think about it a lot of the chefs, like, you know, even Gordon Ramsay, for example, like he's moved more into plant-based when we know that his idea of plant-based a couple of years ago was filled with expletives. So, you know, for him to kind of move more in, right. <laughs> I get it. I mean, I've, I've, I've worked back in the house. I've got a lot of expletives, you know, on my own. So I, I, I get the passion. <laughs> I get the passion. passion, but um, yeah, the passion, totally, totally, the, the passionateness about it. So you know, big people like him moving more into it. And once again, with um, with the, just the consumer-based fast food every day, you know, Starbucks just announced, I think maybe this morning, that they're going to put plant-based meat on the menu and they're also going to have oat milk lattes. So, you know, just with anything else, slowly but surely, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and have this idealistic type of view, like the whole world's going to be plant-based. No, it's not. It's never going to mm-hmm. be plant-based completely, 100. It's just not. It's just not. And it's not to say that that's good or that's bad. I think that's just the reality of the situation. It would have to take something even more, you know, out of this world that it's what's happening now for people to just completely give up meat. That's it's, it's culture, it's tradition and, you know, it's feelings, it's emotions. And, um, you know, it's hard for people to pull, you know, from that. I just think right now what's going to happen is that it's going to continue to be reduced. You know, and if people become more accepting of, you know, plant-based alternatives, when the plant-based businesses start to make better products, that's a bigger thing that people don't really realize. Like, a lot of people have been suffering through their healthy food, you know, really, because the texture's been off, the taste has been off, there's the, the price is off, there's so <laughs> many different things. So once the price gets better, okay. you know, the companies are making a better product that actually tastes good because, you know, I've worked with, you know, different clients that are coming on and off of diagnosis and they're not supposed to be eating certain things, but they do anyway because it feels good and it tastes good. So, you know, really about making it taste good is, is really the most important thing. That so once we okay. start to get one more, mm-hmm. more past that, yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay, Chef Lynette, thank you very much. This was very insightful. You thank had some you. really great ideas. <laughs> that I think are going to be very, very important for people to consider and a lot of people in the culinary industry. So thank you very much for your insights. Yeah, you're welcome. The Restaurant Inc. podcast is hosted by yours truly, Adasha Townsend. Produced, engineered, and edited by David Salvi and Jeff Zimmerman. Please like and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you, foodie listeners.
That's it for this edition of Restaurant Inc., the Business of Food podcast, a production of Reinhardt Food Service. If you're looking for more resources on how to get and stay profitable, or you're looking for the latest trends in food service, go to rfsdelivers.com or check out our Restaurant Inc. magazine. Are you looking for new recipes and inspiration? Check out the Dish magazine, also on rfsdelivers.com. Tune in next time for another edition of Restaurant Inc., the Business of Food podcast. Like, subscribe today.